If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome back to another episode of the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. And today's interview is one that I have been wanting to do for literally years now. So about two and a half years ago, I got a message on Instagram from Taylor Higgins And she had let me know that she had just written a book called Between the Stitching, which was a memoir of her journey through a narcissistic and toxic abusive relationship. And it was getting a ton of attention. Uh, Spoiler alert, she became an international bestselling author. So she sent me this book and... I'm not even kidding you. I was just going back through our old messages and I read the first 175 pages in a day. I could not put the book down. I even remember Luke saying, what the heck are you reading? Because I was so sucked into this inspiring story and just instantly felt so connected with Taylor because of our shared experience and going through a narcissistic and toxic relationship. So I've been wanting to talk to her for years, so excited to finally have her on the show. And what I love so much about this episode is, is yes, we do talk about narcissistic relationships and we talk about her experience, but the overall theme of the episode is is what I put in the title, which is turning heartbreak into power. And she took this very traumatic few years of her going through this relationship and she not only healed her trauma, but she also decided to turn it into power. She turned it into service to other people. She is now a huge advocate for narcissistic abuse. Um, She has a huge following on TikTok where she shares stories of her own relationship, what does narcissism look like. And all I kept thinking throughout this episode was, oh my gosh, I I wish Taylor was around 10 years ago when I was going through mine. And the fact that there are resources and people like Taylor who are out there talking about it, how beautiful that is to, sh- to save other people from that. She shares in the episode that she's prevented people from walking down the aisle because they're in these kinds of relationships. So the work that she does is 
so inspiring. And she shares about how that has helped her in her own healing process, about how writing a book about it allowed her to, you know, heal a lot of her wounds. So we talk in this episode about how she healed, how writing was a big part of it, how she learned to trust others again, how she built her life back up from basically ground zero after being so isolated in her relationship. So her story is just incredibly empowering. Uh, Even if you haven't been through a toxic relationship, I highly recommend that you listen because we all have this ability to turn our mess into a message and we all have the capacity to, maybe it's not on a grand scale like writing a book, but the power of, you know, being able to share our stories in a way that helps others is something that I feel so passionate about and so excited for you guys to hear Taylor. And I highly, highly recommend that you go out and and order her book. I know anytime I've recommended it to someone, they have told me like, I couldn't put it down. I read it in a matter of days. So without further ado, here is Taylor Higgins. Well, welcome, Taylor, to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. I'm so excited to finally meet or virtually meet you face-to-face and so excited to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So I would love if you could introduce yourself um, and talk a little bit about your book and just, you know, what what you're all about. Sure. So my name is Taylor Higgins. I am the international best-selling author of Book Between the Stitching. It's a book that I originally wrote to help myself heal uh, through a narcissistic relationship, very, very toxic relationship, um, but it ended up helping other people in turn. Um, so the book really just details our, our relationship, how it was started, what started off as a beautiful romance um, ended terribly uh, for many, many different reasons, which we'll get into. Um, but now I just spend my time helping others and I am a huge advocate for the narcissistic abuse and spreading awareness on this. Um, and I just love having the presence that I've created on social media to help other people see what I didn't know when I was going through this. I just love what you do so much because I, I think about if I had stumbled on, if I had stumbled on your TikTok video 10, like 10 years ago, like how different things could have turned out for me. I, it's so just knowing that there is someone out there talking about this that people can stumble upon if they're in it is so powerful. Makes me want to cry. <laughs> just think, you know, yeah. thinking of how many women you are making women. And, you know, I'm sure there's also men that come to you that talk about this too. Um, so just thinking like how many people, one, that you're like validating their experience and two, that you're like making them aware that it's, this is happening. Cause I I've shared it on this podcast before. I remember being in my relationship, like literally Googling, is this abuse? Cause I just, mm-hmm. did, I, I just did not know. Um, so so yeah, I just think what you're doing is is so amazing. And I'd love if you could, however detailed or brief you want to be, but talk about the journey that led you to, to write uh, Between the Stitching. Yeah. So I have always loved writing. It's just always been a passion of mine. Whenever I've felt any kind of pain, I would usually just journal. Um, I started detailing in my notes in my phone or just on a scrap piece of paper and a notebook 
events that were taking place um, as the abuse worsened over time because I was not in touch with reality. I, my mind was so battered um, just from manipulation and lies. I didn't know what was actually, I didn't know reality um, versus the lies. And I would write things down in a notebook just so I could recall what actually happened. And I kept that to myself. And then it was when, after we had broken up, we had finally separated and I wasn't necessarily honest with people about why we had initially broken up because I was very embarrassed. I had shared a lot of our relationship on social media. We were this happy couple. Um, I gave up a lot for him and people knew that. And I was just so incredibly embarrassed that I'd wasted all that time on him. He just he was someone that um, didn't exist to begin with. And um, when I started being honest with my truth, I realized a lot more people had actually gone through what I had gone through to some extent, whether it was a piece or it was the whole thing. And I was like, I think I'm actually onto something here. And it were in those moments when I started bringing actual strangers to tears, it was when I said, I, I can, I can do this and I'm going to publish this because I think it will actually help people more than it would hurt anybody to publish this. Yes. I think the fact that we, you and I were talking before about the fact that like there are still people out there that will like victim blame people that are in these kinds of relationships just shows how far we still have left to go. But the fact that, you know, it's being talked about on TikTok, you know, you write like there are books being written about it. It's being talked about more, I think, is like a great, uh, great beginning to this yes. like long journey that we have to bring more light to narcissistic abuse. And I think that term is obviously super broad. I'd love if you could maybe just touch on like the top things in your relationship that, um, that you had to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of it was manipulation. Um, he would, do things and he would obviously infidelity too i should say manipulation and infidelity kind of went side by side um the control really um he had the control emotional control over me um as well as physical control on me so we were just talking about how i couldn't really have friendships and i lost touch with people that i was closest to even family members he kept me in a bubble um i couldn't really express how i was feeling uh if there was an issue ever i couldn't bring it to him because he would explode and I, he just wouldn't be able to validate how i was feeling and he was never wrong that was another huge issue that we faced. Um, sometimes people, when they think of narcissists, they think of these egotistical people that are very materialistic. And that really wasn't the case with him. Um, if you met him, he very handsome, shy, quiet guy, you would probably like him. Um, but it was who he was behind those closed doors. Uh, the side that I got to see of him is, is what really was the scary part. I find that they're usually very charming. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, and they know how to uh, sweep people off their feet in the beginning. And I related so much to what you said about them never being wrong. I, I stopped. I remember I stopped bringing things up because I was like, I'm sick of it feeling like my fault in the end. So I might as well just like, it's not worth, it's not worth the fight anymore. So I might as well just like, keep it, keep it to my, um, keep it to myself. So I think it's very, the more I talk to people about it, the more similar I'm realizing these relationships are. And I'm sure yours was like super love bombing in the mm -hmm. beginning, which Taylor and I were talking before how many new terms there are in like the world of narcissism and stuff that we just had no idea was there were words for. But 
Um, I'm sure there was the sweep you off your feet kind of period in the beginning, right? Yeah, because people always think like, how could you say, but there were so many good moments in that initial beginning, that romance in the beginning, that's love bombing, sweeping me off my feet, like, let's get married. Um, the relationship moved very quickly. And that was exciting. I was, I was much younger at the time. And I was just enamored with this lifestyle and this love. And it was fun and fast. And I liked it. And um, that's what I, I clung on to. That's what got me there. And, and then I became just, I, I got stuck. Um, but there was, there was so much good in the beginning. Yeah. And that actually kind of leads me to my next question, but I, so being someone that has been through it, I completely understand why I stayed. Um, and I think, I think the more I related a lot to my experience with sobriety, like there was such a stigma and people like didn't understand, like, why can't you just have control over yourself? Like, why can you, why can't you just have one glass of wine and things like that? But the more I think we either have friends that have been in these kinds of relationships or we've been in these kinds of relationships. We start to like understand a little bit more why people can't just walk away. It's not as easy as that. So I'd love for you to talk about like, you mentioned some, but what were some of the things that you feel like kept you stuck from walking away, especially after it became pretty clear how toxic it was? There were so many things and another term that we can speak on is is trauma bonding. And I was like almost addicted to the pain. And there were several factors that kept me there. One being I knew he was a good person. He had good moments. Um, his upbringing was very sad. And I wanted to give him happiness that I thought that his, I thought that his family couldn't give him. Um, but then also that fear of he could move on and do that to somebody else so quickly. And I was so broken. And I don't think that I could handle at the time. I didn't think I could handle that pain, watching him move on so quickly as he so prominently did um, in that pain, because I knew he would just be on to the next because they move on super, super fast. And um, I would rather have that control over him. I wouldn't say control. Um, I would say that responsibility to the relationship where he still owed me something. And that kept me there. Yeah, I think that was very like similar for me. And I think, I don't know if this was the case for you, but he would very much hang it over my head that if it wasn't me, it would be someone else. Yes. Usually like yes. someone, like he would say like someone prettier, you know, whatever. I'm very, I'd tell like, I'm very short and brunette. And he would always be like, I'm going to go after a tall blonde or, you know, something like that. So it was very much like, even though and I think too, like they do put us in this bubble. So we feel like we have nothing without them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I had nobody really to talk to either. So I didn't have the confidence to leave anyways. Like I wasn't completely honest with my family because I didn't want them to judge the situation because I knew they probably would have ripped me from it and I couldn't handle that. And I exhausted all my resources with friends because they didn't want to hear it anymore. So I was just stuck and he was all I had. And so try having somebody that's super broken, asking them to move on and knowing that they'll immediately move on. Um, but they're also still, there's that hope that, you know, those good moments. So there's so much that keeps the person there. Um, and it's so hard to hear when someone's like, well, just leave, just get out, you know, you deserve better. And those words are quite literally a knife to the chest. If you have a friend or anybody, a family member going through that, be very cautious with your words because it's, it's a very fragile time for someone that's experiencing that stuff. Yeah. And I would love to ask what, what would you say, like, what's the best way to support 
So whether it's someone who has a friend that's going through it, or maybe it's someone who's in one and they need to ask their friends how to get support. Like what's the best, what do you think the best way is to support someone who's in it or in the process of wanting to leave? This is a really popular question. I'm noticing a lot of uh, people that are that have friends in this um, type of situation or a family member or they know someone in this situation they're like how can I help because other people recognize behavior but when you're in it you don't always see it so I always say I always suggest that people go online do the research look up these words that we're talking about what is a trauma bond what is love bombing try and understand why these people are doing the things that they're doing and then bring that information either as if you are a victim yourself you know, it will give you confidence to, it will validate your, your, what you're going through, your feelings, your emotions, because no one else is. And if you know somebody going through it, bring that information to them, be gentle with it. Be like, I, I would always say, Hey, can I, can I talk to you about something? Um, I have this information for you or get them to speak about what's happening. Like really pry it out of them because they are not used to talking. They're used to bottling up everything and you might actually get somewhere. If you can break somebody down, make them feel again, they're, they're like robots because we're just existing trying to get through the day and uh, we just want to feel something. And if you can maybe break through to some raw emotion, you might get somewhere with somebody. I think back and and imagine what it would have looked like if I, if I felt like I had someone to talk to about it that I knew wouldn't judge me and I knew wouldn't tell me like, just leave or, you know, walk away. What are you doing? If someone would just say like, Hey, I'm here to talk, whatever you need to say. Because for me, the second I heard myself describe the relationship out loud, I think was like the first time where I was like, Oh my God, like, what am I doing? You know, but it's, you're right. I, it's so hard to see it when you're in it. And you're so bottled up and you become such a shell that, and I tell people that like across all breakups, talk about why the breakup happened. Talk about the relationship. The more you talk, the more you journal, the more that's, it, the more that's going to come to light to make you see that it was the right thing to not be in that relationship anymore. So my next question, and I, I talked to you about it before, but I want to make, I want to make sure the listeners know that the question I'm about to ask is not to like victim blame or anything, but I think it's a really important thing to look at, which is looking back. Do you think, do you think there were any beliefs you had about yourself? Do you think there was fears and insecurities that you had that caused you to attract that kind of a person? Yeah, I think I, I, I don't know if I, it, it, this has caused me to do a lot of self-reflecting on my own, my upbringing, my own self. And it's like scary to look within sometimes. I think there was um, some fragileness in me. I don't know if I saw it in necessarily myself, my family, or it was his family. I was recognizing something in his family that resonated with me. And I saw something that was broken and me being me, I just thought I, I could fix this because I, I am very patient and I felt like I had what he didn't. In, in terms of love. Um, and I think that was my motivating factor that really held me there. I don't know so much it was, it had to do with my life, but, or myself rather, but it was something inside me. It was like a calling. I don't know. I can't explain it. Yeah, it was very, I think when I interviewed Dr. Z, she mentioned that like narcissists and fixers or empaths are, are super magnets to, to each other because you want you, like you being a fixer, you want to stick, like stick it out and try to, and especially try to restore it back to what it was at the beginning. 
And I saw this quote one time that was like, so many people spend years trying to chase the first months of a relationship. Mm -hmm. And I hear that so often with my clients where they'll say, I know, I know that there's something there because it was good at one, at one time. Um, But it's important to know that like, even though it was great at one time, you need to pay attention to like the actions that are placed in front of you. Yeah, I always say, because narcissists, they, they don't exist. The, the person, the good side, that it, it's, a, it's a facade. They're hiding behind a mask. And it's hard because people are like, why can't you just move on? That question is so hard because you have to love somebody. You have to leave somebody that's, um, you know, that never existed to begin with. You, you fell in love with somebody that quite literally is not available on this earth to you. And it's like mourning. I compare it to mourning a death. It's very, very similar. Um, and you have to mourn somebody that's very much still alive. They might live in the same town. They might live in the same house as you. And you have to mourn the loss of that person because they can't love you correctly. And how unfair is that? That's such a good point. And I, and you know, there's that whole concept of like, do you miss the person or do you miss the idea of, of them? And I think especially with narcissists, they're so good at creating your idea of them. And so you have to, you have to go through the, the morning of that and come to terms with the fact that that person was, was a front. It was a ma- like the first couple months were a mask. They're, that's not yes. who they actually, that's not who they were. It was, it was like no, a front that they put on that. to, to be able to hook you in. Um, and I think, I don't know if, if people struggle with this, you could probably answer this, but I wonder if there's like a, like people think that they did something wrong to cause that shift in the relationship. Do you find that? I see that all the time. People are always asking themselves, like I talk about it a ton on TikTok because there's a huge community there. Um, and people are always asking if I could have done something differently or better. And it's it's just, it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them and their needs. And if you're not fulfilling them in the way that they need, if you're not bowing down, I always say they prey on innocent people. They recognize the innocence and they steal it from you um, because that's the game. And as soon as you start to, you know, stand up against them, or if you, um, you know, you're not falling into their mind games, they lose interest immediately because you no, you no longer serve them. And that's why they're able to move on so quickly. They need to get, they need to fill the void. They need somebody that can, can fill them back up again. And it's just, I call it the supply. A victim is their, their supply. Uh, and I know that's a tough word to, to swallow, but really you're just supplying their need, whatever it may be. I was thinking about that at the beginning of the interview. I was like, it's almost like they're like a leech where they have mm-hmm. to, they need like a, they need a supply. You're right. It's like they, they need to get a fix of, of power and control and, and manipulation. So, mm-hmm. um, and it's interesting cause I look back on my relationship and the moment he like turned from like the front he was putting on happened to be something that I did wrong in quotes, you know? So I always associated it with me it yeah. it being my fault that he changed so much and i'm sure that was not on accident that that was the moment no. he decided to ch- to turn um so i really wanted to you know talk on this episode about 
the like the healing process that you went through. Um, so could you, you know, walk me through from when you left the relationship? Like, what is that healing process looked like for you? It's a journey. I'll say that it yeah. does not happen overnight. Neither does leaving. People are like, I had to plan how I was going to leave the relationship. I had to almost fall out of love with him while I was still in the relationship just so I could leave. So I hit what I thought was my rock bottom, hit about a dozen more rock bottoms. Um, and then it wasn't the manipulation or the control or any type of abuse that actually was like, nope, you need to leave. I was in Florida with him. Uh, he worked in Florida at the time and I wasn't working and I didn't have much money. And I asked him, he was getting breakfast for himself. I asked him if he would get me a bagel because I was starving. And he said, no, I'm not, I don't, I don't support you. You have your own money and I have my own and that's it. So I watched him eat breakfast. And as I starved, I was just sitting there starving. Um, and that was, I just said to myself, okay, thank you. And I just sat there. And then I probably stayed an additional three weeks because I'm from Massachusetts and I had to plan my escape. And then I also had to say, hey, family, guess what? My relationship isn't what it seems. I need help getting home. Please get me out of this mess. Um, I had to box up my life. And in that time, I started to... I obviously dealt with grief, but I also was scared to leave. I was like, am, am I making the right decision? It was a conflict for me because I was so afraid to step out of that bubble that he had put me in, but I knew it had to be done. I kept telling myself, I can't live this way forever. And so I was patient with myself. I packed everything in secrecy. I would put little things in suitcases where they would go though. So he wouldn't notice. And then, um, one random day I drove him to work because I, we had one car and, um, I would always drive him to work. That was normal. And I kissed him goodbye. He said, I'll see you later. And I said, that would be the last time I, I kissed him because I had a flight home that day and he didn't know that. And I flew home to Massachusetts that afternoon. Never heard from him that day. He just came home to an empty house. I don't know how he made it home because I had his truck parked at the house, um, but he found his way home and never heard from him. And I was terrified when I landed in mass because I was like, my healing process starts now. I'm alone. And I was just defeated by guilt. And I felt like I betrayed him. And it was very, very sick of me to think this way. But it was just because I was so trained to think this way. Um, healing took a while. I kept contemplating going back. I didn't unpack my belongings for a while. It was just this toxic cycle of I owe it to him to be there. I have to go back. But even though I knew that he would move on instantly. and that was my time to break free. And I never actually booked a flight back. I never got myself to do it, even though I dabbled with the thought of it. Um, and then healing was tough for a while. It took probably a good six months to start feeling back to normal again. I even talked to you about how I was terrified to go outside, walk my dog, because I didn't want to have a conversation with a neighbor. I didn't, I, I couldn't make eye contact with people. Um, I was afraid to interview for jobs. Uh, I had to crawl back to friendships that I just abandoned because he told me that I had to. Um, I had to do a lot of explaining to family because nobody knew anything. Um, it, it was just a really, really long process, but I learned a lot about myself in that time. And there's a lot of beautiful things that will come from a healing process because it's just you and yourself. Um, and it's a, it's a special time to be with yourself. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
It is so important to share your thoughts and feelings while going through a breakup, especially if it's something you're feeling any guilt or shame around. I know whenever I'm struggling with a certain thought or situation and I keep it to myself, it gets heavier and heavier and feels harder and harder to manage. I truly believe we are as sick as our secrets. Therapy has always been a safe space for me to have a judgment-free zone to get things off my chest. Whether it's something from my past, a current struggle, or something I'm anxious about in the future, I always feel lighter when I'm able to share something that feels scary. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash heartbreak. If you are a listener of this podcast, you know I warn about how your phone can either be a great tool or a huge obstacle when it comes to getting over your breakup. Instead of spending time on your phone trying to figure out what your ex is up to, why not spend some time engaging in a super fun mystery game that will help take your mind off your breakup? June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I am such a big mystery and puzzle fan, so this game has been so fun for me to get into. When I'm looking for a little escape from reality during the day or a way to relax that doesn't involve social media, it's been so fun to use my brain in a new way by diving into June's captivating quest and engaging my sense of observation to find the hidden clues. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Since getting sober over 11 years ago, most of my friends don't drink, and last month at my birthday dinner, we were going around the table talking about our favorite non-alcoholic drink, and almost everyone at the table was talking about how much they love recess, me included. Not only is Recess Mood a delicious drink, Strawberry Rose is my favorite, but they also have Raspberry Lemon, which is so good, Lime Citrus, and more. It's made with real fruit, it's only 20 calories, and it comes with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium, so it can also bring me a much, much needed moment of peace. So whether you're like me and are always on the hunt for functional and tasty non-alcoholic drinks, or you're just looking for something healthy to unwind at the end of the day, Recess mood should be your go-to. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off recess mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Yeah. And I think the, first of all, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I think just in you sharing your story, I hope people listening have some things normalized, especially the fact I get, I hear from people all the time that say, you would think if you left a relationship like that, it would be instant relief, but it's not. Yeah. And that's very yeah. normal to not feel relieved for it to feel you felt guilty. Um, you felt like you were betraying him. So those are all super normal feelings. And those feelings don't mean that you need to go back to the person. Mm-hmm. They're normal. So I think, you know, making sure that people recognize that and, I would love if you could also talk about because your life became that relationship, like what did it look like for you rebuilding your life in that way? It's kind of like we have to start over. 
completely. Like you're starting from ground zero and it's terrifying because you don't know which direction to go with. Should I start the job? Should I start with family, friendships? I ha- you have, you're surrounded by absolutely nothing. It's so isolating. Like it's just the loneliest place to be. And I sympathize with anybody going through it because it truly is a very scary place. Um, but I just had to, I had to dig deep, but I was very gentle with myself in that process because I knew that I had gone through a lot and I was so used to just bottling it up and I was in a very fragile state. So I always say like, you know, do what, keep busy, do things that make you happy, but be patient with yourself because it, it doesn't happen overnight and cry when you need to like totally, you have, we have to normalize uh, the fact that we had gone through some serious, serious trauma and it's not going to be okay for it, like in, in the blink of an eye. Um, and I, I think that that's just an, an important thought to share because it took, took me a bit to get there. Yes, being gentle with ourselves is is so so important and and I wonder if did you feel a lot of healing when you started talking to, like once you got over the fear of sharing the truth about the relationship do you feel like it brought a lot of healing? Yeah, because my my whole mantra is being so raw with your truth that it allows it opens a door for other people's to people to do the exact same. I think there is so much beauty and healing in raw truth because if if you can sit here and say that oh that happened to me then I'm willing to sit here and say oh, let me share my story with you. It opens this door and the more we speak the more we heal and the more I shared the more people shared back with me and I was creating this movement unintentionally but it it made me feel good and it made me feel normal and I feel like that kind of put some of my pieces back together because I was relating with other people and and there's healing in relation too so that's why it's so important to, to have these conversations and i i think to the like when i first posted about it on the breakup bestie page it was so i i was it was completely unexpected but it was so healing for me cuz i got so many comments and i'm sure you get this all the time on tiktok mm-hmm. and there's so i remember someone told me like there's so much power in just hearing, oh yeah, I've been through that too. Or like, yeah, I know what, I know what that feels like. There's, there's so much, um, there's so much power in it and there's still a lot of shame. I think that comes out of, I think there's a lot of shame that comes out of breakups in general, because it feels, it can feel like a, it can either feel like a failure, like you failed in making something work, or it can feel like shame towards yourself on why did I stay? Why did I, how did I miss these red flags? How did I do all that stuff? So being able to know that it's super common, there's like really successful, super smart people that end up with narcissists. You know, it doesn't have to do with the fact that you're not smart or you, you know, don't know how to do relationships. It happens to everyone across the board, right? No, you're totally right. And it's, I think it's just human nature to recognize like someone is damaged and you want to help them. Like you're like, oh, you're not totally okay. I think I know what's wrong. And you just work towards trying to normalize your relationship. And in turn, you lose yourself, but you don't really realize it at the time because you're in love. Um, but it's, it's just the human in us that wants to help. Really, that's really what I blame it on. Yes. And it's not a, it's not a bad, it's not a bad thing. Like I was, um, oh, I did a workshop the other night and someone had said like, I love, I love that I'm an empath. And I'm like, I, I honestly love that about myself too. It took me a while. Cause I feel like it, it, for a while it caused a lot more damage than it did good, but it's a, it's not like, it's not a bad thing. And that kind of leads me to my next question of like learning how to trust 
again? Like, how did you, how did you learn to trust you again? And then how did you learn how to trust men again? Cause it's, it's very scary when you're coming out of something like that. Am I going to end up in this again? Should I just put walls up and don't even try because I don't want to experience that pain again? Yeah, it was really hard time for first and foremost time. Um, it, cliche but it really does heal all but it was also the experience in, in new relationships and I was so afraid that I might attract to the similar behavior and the relationship I had after that followed the narcissist um, it I expected the same behavior that came from that toxic relationship I expected him the new guy to be exactly the same and I didn't I wasn't even able to love him correctly because I was still so trained to expect bad behavior like if we had an argument I expected hands like I just at the worst possible situation you can think of I expected it in everything and I think that I I might have lost out on potential relationships in the past because I tried loving when I wasn't ready because I was still a little bit damaged. I carried around some of that pain and, and that lack of trust from what I had gone through. And I didn't even really know. And um, it, it, it's hard because I feel like you can, I might've broken other people in that and it he, they might pass it on to other people. Like you don't know what your broken pieces can do to other people. So with time and with healing and, you know, failing in other relationships, I feel like I had to figure out with many, many years too, to, to really understand who I should be as a, as a lover and how I should give love to other people. It's tricky. It's, it's very, very complex. You have to do a lot of like soul searching and digging because um, you're, I mean, you lost yourself. Did you, did you go, did you go to therapy and, you know, kind of utilize other tools in your healing process? No. And I should have, and that's, it's super shocking and I don't know why I didn't. I had this thing where I thought that what I had gone through, because I didn't really know many other people other than people that could relate to bits of my story, but not identical. And my story is pretty drastic, I would say, uh, in terms of some of the abuse and what I had yeah. witnessed. Um, and I didn't think that somebody could help me if they hadn't experienced the exact same thing. And I also really mm. hadn't heard other people talk about it. So I didn't, I just was desperately looking to relate with someone and I felt like I was just on this island. So I didn't see therapy because I just felt like a woman or a, a man in, a, in an office can't help me. They, they don't know what it was like to, to go through the things that I witnessed. And I just didn't see that as an option. And maybe that would have made things differently. Maybe my relationships would have played out differently, but I can't sit there and think what if, um, but today people that are going through this have so many more resources, people like yourself, people that speak like, myself too and they're very lucky because I would just what I would do to, like you said earlier what I would do to to be able to go onto my phone and just understand and relate with somebody the desperation that I had during those times was crazy yeah and to you know to normalize that I didn't go to therapy I didn't address this in therapy for a long time like I didn't I didn't want to I did not want to touch it for a long time like I just I wanted to just make it go away and try to move on and like not have to dig into that. Mm -hmm. And I, w I was going to therapy during my relationship and just bold face lying. So it's like, you know, whatever it's like, we're ready when we're ready to talk yes. about it. And I think right after breakups, a lot of it's survival and that's okay. I think there's, 
this stigma in our world that like everything needs to be super growth minded and like you got to like figure it out and push through the pain and like we forget that sometimes like all we need is like really really gentle things to allow us to like get through the the toughest time like I look at when I got out of my relationship I turned to alcohol and like caused so much chaos for a year but you know what not how I would have dealt with it now but like it got me by it it allowed me to like survive getting out of a relationship like that and you know it's not what I would recommend but like it's what I did and that's okay yeah I like what you said about being ready I mean you will talk when you're ready you will leave when you're ready and nobody can rush either of those so just make sure that uh, I wanted to make that very clear because it's it's a process both of them are and I like that you also said that you didn't you weren't ready to talk about it in therapy. Like you had the opportunity. You were quite literally in the chair and you just weren't ready. That's pretty incredible. It's, it is incredible what our minds can do to protect our relationship, to protect our idea. I think protect our idea of -hmm. the relationship. So I tell people after you go through a breakup, there's a reason your brain pretty much always recalls the really good things that were happening. That's why we romanticize is because our brain's trying to protect something that we really love and we really want to cherish. And so it's, it's normal for, for that to, to happen. And I also saw a quote, this was a, a couple years ago, but it was like, when you're ready, the universe will like make something so uncomfortable and so plainly obvious to you that you will leave. And it's like, it doesn't necessarily, like if we try to have that happen before, um, it, it won't always, you know, it doesn't always work out as planned. So I think it's important to have all that grace. It's like part of your journey to go through it. You have to live through it to get to the person that you're meant to be. I, I truly feel that. You can't rush it and you can't cut it short. And, you know, it's it's a really powerful thing to think about. Yeah. And my my next question for you is what what were some of the biggest lessons you've learned from one writing the book? Like what were some of these what happened to you when writing this book? And then what's the biggest thing you've learned in talking about this topic? That's such a good question. I think I learned a lot about myself, um, what my purpose is. I feel like I've adjusted. I've I've left uh, my corporate job to really just pursue writing and talking about this because I feel like I have a way with connecting with people and that, that lights me up and I do that for me. Um, what I've learned with other people is how, using the word desperate again, but how desperate the need is for this type of, of content and how badly people want to relate after just sharing some stories on just me, short 30 second clips of me talking about bits and pieces of my story, people, uh, you know, begging for conversations, uh, it, it, it clicking for them that they they might be experiencing it. People are in just terrible situations, but not even knowing what to call it or, oh, this might be a toxic relationship. It's just that aha moment, giving people that independence, that knowledge uh, and watching them. You know, I've stopped people from walking down the aisle, um, canceling weddings, like just crazy, crazy things, but really just bringing awareness to the subject and having people see them through, you know, being in that situation and watching them grow through, um, you know, the leaving, the leaving process is just pretty incredible to me. 
That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. That gives me the chills to think. And that kind of leads me to my next question of like, I went through this period and I don't know if you went through this too of like, I wish I could go back and like never meet my abusive ex or I just wish I could like go back to how I was before that I could just wipe this from my memory. But obviously like we can't, we can't do that. We learn how to live with these experiences. So how have you made sense of this like painful period in your life? So it doesn't necessarily feel like a regret so much anymore. Yeah, I never, I didn't look back ever and think, you know, I wish I never met him or that it was a regret. Um, I I saw it as like a, a lesson, a chapter in my book, in my life, um, because it does, it makes, it's such a defining moment. It's like fight or flight survival mode. And you have to, it's just me, myself and I, and I wouldn't change that because I wouldn't have this story to share. And I feel like the confidence and, and all that just talking about this has given me, um, it's, it's defined my character, just having all of this happen. And I feel like it just happens to certain people for a reason. People, it might happen to you because you have the ability to convey it to somebody else uh, because the behavior exists one way or another. It's, it's going to happen, um, but you need to be willing to share and speak on it. And that's why I always just encourage people to speak on it because you never know who's listening. My mom always used to say that everything we go through is a blessing in disguise or it's like somehow a lesson or a gift. And I'm always mm -hmm. so inspired by people who, who take experiences like, like really traumatic experiences like you went through and turned it into something so beautiful that, that has this huge ripple effect in it. You know, people listening like, your breakup might not cause you to write a book or, you know, to become like a speaker on it, but there is something that will come out of it if you let it. Yeah. There's a lesson, in everything. You just have to be willing to look for it and acknowledge it and accept it. Like quite literally grow through what we go through. I love that quote. It's, it's, it's powerful. It's meant to happen. And it happens to people that can, that are, you know, the universe only sends you what you need. And when you're ready to handle it, it's not going to give you more than you can handle. And it's happening to you for a reason. So just find the beauty in those lessons. And I also believe that we will learn a lesson over and over again until we actually get it. So mm -hmm. taking advantage, like taking the opportunity to learn things about yourself in this process. So, you know, so you can grow in, in future relationships. So I think it's so amazing what you've been able to turn trauma into essentially. So, um, and my, my last question for you is what would you tell if someone's listening to this and they are in an abusive relationship or, or maybe fresh out of one, what would you like, what would you tell someone who feels like they're at bottom right now? Yeah. Be patient with yourself always. Um, this pain is just temporary. Pain is always temporary. There's a reason why you're going through whatever it is that you're going through. Um, but it won't, it won't last. And you, you will be launched directly who you need to become. If you embrace this pain and this hurt and just really work with what you love, figure it out, what sets your soul on fire in this world and pursue that. And some, one random day you will look back at this time of your life and you'll be like, I see, I understand now. And you'll be grateful for it, but it's temporary. I promise you it's temporary, but there is strength and there is beauty to be found in this time. 
I love that message and, and reminding people like when I was getting out of mind, just thinking it felt like there was no other side of it. Like it felt like stepping out of it. I was like stepping into like a black hole and yeah. just remembering that like, it's not a black hole. It feels like it, but there's so many good things on yeah. the other side. Those, these relationships hold us back and you don't know how close you are to greatness. And as soon as you actually remove that toxic part of your life, you'll be surprised how fast things start to fall into place. And you're like, and you'll, you won't expect it, but it just will. And it's like the universe thanking you for removing that. And there it's acknowledging you for, for doing what you needed to do. I also feel like you've, you know, touched on this throughout, but I think there's, it's such a self-esteem booster to walk away from something toxic and stay away from something toxic. Do you feel like this is really like improved your self-worth and your self-esteem by like, by going through this, you went through something so tough and to be able to be on the other side, like it's so good on our self-esteem. Yeah, it is. But, it, but for a while I had to really reflect on healing and I'm not someone that I don't want to burden people with like friendships with, you know, my, the things that I'm going through, my pain, whatever. So I didn't talk openly about it. And I feel like looking back, I would now, and I would do things a little bit differently. I feel like I've grown a ton. I've gained a ton of confidence just from, you know, removing those toxic things and knowing that I can, I can do much better. But I will say that after I left that terrible relationship that I wrote a book about, I attracted a very similar one that followed it because I wasn't ready to love again. And if you, if you find yourself in that situation, make sure that you're ready to love again um, and, and make sure that you're attracting somebody. Like I write down something like manifest, write down what you need in a person and make sure that those traits are what's coming to you. Because if you love when you're not ready, you're going to attract somebody that, you know, your broken self will, will, uh, will attract somebody. I should say. Same That's person. what I've, yeah, that's what I've learned is actually people who come out of narcissistic relationships, like it's not uncommon for it to mm -hmm. happen again. But I think too, I'm sure there's a lot of healing and growth knowing that I'm sure you didn't stay as long. Like that's progress. Yeah. I was talking about that on my Instagram yesterday. We're so obsessed with this finish line that we don't mm -hmm. see all of these little milestones that mm -hmm. we're hitting. Yep. That's a really good point. I like that. It's true. You don't stay as long, but you dabble with it because, you know, you attract what you are essentially. And uh, that's really, that's true. That's a beautiful statement. Yeah. And, and I think I'm sure I would get some messages if I didn't ask you, like, what are, what are some ways in your dating experiences that you've learned how to like, look out for those kind of red flags? When I initially would go on a date, I would ask, what's your family like? Do you have a relationship with your parents? Are they married? Um, what was your upbringing like? If you describe your childhood in three words, what would it be? Like questions like that try, when, in terms of trying to get to know somebody. Because normally when I found when dating broken people, there's something in their past that triggers them, that makes them the way that they are. And it's kind of a very touchy subject for them. But I'd like to know that you know, upfront, because I want to, if there are issues, uh, I want to know if you're willing to even talk about it, if you can embrace that pain, or if you're someone that just can't even, because I know that's what our relationship will be like. And that's a huge red flag to me. 
it's so powerful too, that I love that you talk about doing that early on because I deal with, I mean, I talk about this, especially with people that are like emotionally unavailable. We're Mm -hmm. so scared to ask, like, does someone want to get married eventually? Like we're so scared because we don't want to be too much. And it's like, what would you rather do? Would you rather be like six months in and then realize like your goals and values are completely off base because you didn't want to have, you didn't want to like ask some, like maybe some uncomfortable questions. So ask the questions that you want to ask, even if you don't get the answer that you want or someone considers you too much for asking those questions, like they're not your person. No, not at all. And it's the way they respond to like, listen for tone or if they just put up a front or whatever it is, just, you have to be able to read people the way that, you know, if you're looking for somebody, read the person that, that is, you know, a potential mate. Cause I, I don't know about you, but I date because I want to marry you. And I look for that when I go on a date, that's a potential candidate. That's a potential husband for me. And I don't want to waste my time on that. So, and I think I've been able to do it much quicker throughout the years with more and more experience and I have a shorter tolerance. And if I see somebody that, you know, is emotionally unavailable, I can recognize that quickly and I wouldn't try and make it work and try and make them see a a potential relationship. Uh, If they, if they just, I felt that they didn't want it, I wouldn't waste my time because I've run into plenty of those too. And I hear, I'm sure this has come with time, but I hear a lot of confidence in your voice of, of what, what you ask and how you feel about that. Because I know a lot of people who are coming out of that relationship, they have so many, their guard is so up because they're so nervous and like almost paranoid of those kinds of things. But there's a, there's a place you can get to where you know what you're bringing to the table, you know what you want and you know what you don't want. And if you have those three things, like you'll be able to weed, weed that out. Yeah. And I always say, protect your peace. Like anything that doesn't bring you peace it's just not worth it. And the, the, the more time, the more experience you have with dating a bunch of different people or, you know, just being out in public and, and, or work or wherever it is, meeting all these personalities, the more people that you have in your world that you're introduced to, if they do not serve you, if they do not protect your peace, I just, I can't even be like, I just can't be bothered with it because I, I know what that destruction feels like. And I would never put that in my life again. So if it's just, if it, if it's just too much for me, then I just have to remove. I feel like a narcissistic relationship is like the exact opposite of peace. Like that's like the chaos. Polar, yeah, it's that's polar opposite. I mean, the walking on eggshells chaos. Like there's there's no peace when you're in a relationship like that. So I am just so grateful that you exist and for the work that you're doing. So could you tell everyone where to find your book, where to connect with you? Um, And I will put all of the links in the show notes too. Yeah, absolutely. So my book is available. It's called Between the Stitching. It's available only on Amazon. Um, And then you can follow me on Instagram at Taylor Higgins underscore, or you can follow me on TikTok, which I talk constantly about this type of stuff, relationships, narcissists, all that jazz. And my handle is the Taylor Higgins on TikTok. Yes, I, I was yeah. telling Taylor I stalked her in her TikTok yesterday and the, the videos. The videos are so good and the comments are so inspiring, I will say. Just like the the reaction that that gets from them. So, thank you so much. I highly encourage you to go order Taylor's book. Um I literally could not put it down. So, um so thank you so much for coming on and yeah, hopefully everyone goes and checks you out. 
I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.